Okay. Well, I want to welcome everyone who's downloaded this as a podcast. This is uh, part of what I'm sure will be a two-part series. If I get it all in today, that would be amazing and highly unlikely. I want to talk about being ill. I want to talk about being ill. And uh, it's really interesting, this whole uh, stuff I'm going to do the next two weeks. Just after the, uh, the uh, Christmas time, I think it was Boxing Day, uh, I felt a bit rough. And for two or three days, uh, I wasn't very well. And, uh, and at the end of that three-day period, so New Year's Eve or something like that, uh, I put together... Some, some teaching ideas on how to survive being ill. Because I've been in church for over 20 years and I've never heard anyone, maybe you have, but I've never heard anyone talk about how to cope with being ill. And given that many of us get ill in either a greater or lesser degree for about a third of the year. It does seem to be quite a big topic. But I never heard anyone speak about it. So I put together these, these few thoughts. And then it was only after that that then I, then I found out I was going to be ill for 70 days. And, but I wrote this on day four. And then the most irritating thing is then I had to keep to my own um, commandments. Having written it, I had to live it out fully. And I'll let you know how well I did. <laughs> I, uh, I want to talk about how to cope with being ill. I've called this message the, the world of sickness. Because when, you, when you're ill, it's almost like you enter into another world. The world is going by you while you are ill. And there's all kinds of different forms of illness, of course, and some people get ill and in a sense they never recover from it. They adapt to their, to their disability or their, or their restriction. Uh, whereas others have an illness for a period of time, a few days, uh, a few months, and then they come out of it. I'm aware there's different ways to think about this. But being ill is like a world. It's like another world. If you become ill, uh, uh, you know, seriously ill, so you, you can't go to work, you can't operate normally, suddenly, out of nowhere, everything stops, doesn't it? And suddenly, you planned to do this this week and this and this, whether that's work or whether that's play, And all your plans uh, go out the window and suddenly you're in in another world. And it's this world of sickness. How do we live in it? As Christians, what should we do while we are in this world? How should we be behaving ourselves? What should we be expecting God to do? And what is God expecting us to do? So maybe for the first time in your whole life, or maybe you 
been around a bit and you've heard some stuff like this before, I don't know. But here is some thoughts on how to deal with illness in your life. Oh. Do you want to move it on? Oh, okay. There we go. Here's a quote. And normally I quote great minds, great thinkers, great writers, great speakers. Today I'm quoting myself. I wrote this phrase after four days of being ill late December of last year. I wrote this, sickness can be a very lonely world of frustration, pain and confusion. It's frustrating because when you're ill, you can't do what you would normally do. And some of the things that we feel we have to do are really important things. So I'm not talking about, oh, I was ill and I couldn't go to the pictures or, uh, you know, I, I was so ill I could barely watch the rugby. That may be important to you, but, but some things are really important and we feel that we cannot do them when we're ill. It's frustrating. It's lonely because no matter how much someone can sympathize with you, oh yes, I remember when I had that, really only you are experiencing it. And so people are beautifully sympathetic. We all try and be sympathetic with people who are ill. But really, if, if you're unwell today and I'm well, I can relate with you, but only to a certain degree. You're kind of on your own. It's confusing because you might have some theological ideas that make the whole thing confusing for you. Why am I ill? See, when you're not a Christian, you might say, well, I'm ill because uh, I've caught a bug. When you're a Christian, you start to throw in other, other considerations. Is God unhappy with me? Is that why I fell over? You know? Is God unhappy? Is, is, is the reason why I've woken up with a bad foot because of what I said yesterday? And oh, lots of these ideas are just nonsense. Uh, and then, but there's other theological confusions, which are, well, I've received prayer, so why aren't I any better? Uh, a little later on today, or maybe next week, I'll tell you of the day, just a few weeks ago, when an army of people burst into my house and poured what seemed to be a gallon of petrol all over me. Uh, I mean, yeah, oil. I mean, it was really, I, I wanted to say to him, do you know how much petrol costs? You know, you... <laughs> Couldn't you just put this in the car? And yet afterwards, I didn't jump up and was healed. And so, uh, so there can be some confusion. So it's lonely, it's frustrating if you're a workaholic. It's particularly frustrating. And it can be painful if the nature of your illness is, is pain. So nobody really likes pain. Now, Here's a bit of a, a thought. Charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches, charismatic ministries have often been very poor at helping people with illness. And I'll tell you why. Because while in the midst of a desperate situation, it might be better to go to see the 
power-packed evangelist who might be able to lay his hands upon you and get you healed where your little parish church uh, may not be the place where that kind of kingdom power might be released. That's, that is, that, there's an element of truth in that. But at the same time, in fact, the, sometimes in the Pentecostal churches, the only emphasis is healing. There is no emphasis on caring for the sick. The, there, there's an emphasis on healing the sick, but there's not always an emphasis on caring for the sick. And if you go to some extreme Pentecostal churches where if you're ill, it's your fault or you've sinned or you don't believe or something like that. In fact, it's worse to be there when you're ill. Because you can believe all you like and you can be righteous as well. There are some times when people do not get healed and it is not their fault at all. So sometimes the charismatic church is is the best place to be when you're ill and sometimes it's the worst place to be when you're ill. I hope in this church we find a middle line on it. But But I've known that. I mean, when I've been ill over these last few weeks, I'm a good deal better now. But I would be a bit scared to tell people I'm ill. Why are you ill? Ooh. Well, I'm ill because I'm ill. Yeah, but why? Do you think it may be a demon? I think it might be a demon. (laughs) He's ill. What has he done? You think, I'd rather not tell you I'm ill. So sometimes it's the worst place to be. I just want to do a little test here today. And I might have done this test with you personally if I've spoken with you over the last few weeks. So if that's true, then you can't take part in this because that's cheating. In the great discourse of Matthew 25, which if you're one of my Bible students, it's special M, Jesus tells a story about the sheep and the goats. And he says at the end of the age, he will separate the people into the goats and into the sheep. You know the story? And it's all based upon, actually it's not based upon faith, it's based upon what they've done in their lives, which is interesting all by itself. And he says to the sheep, you come into the kingdom, you know, blessed of my father, because... Uh, when I was naked, you what? Clothe me. me. Did everybody know that? I'm doing a genuine test. When I was hungry, you... When I was thirsty, you... Gave me drink. Very good. When I was in prison, you... And now, look at me. No one look in your Bible. I don't want you to shout it out. I want you to put your hand up if you know it. When I was sick, you... 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 Cared for me. Cared for me? Now, do you know what? I'm impressed that... A couple of people know it. 
But most of us didn't know that. We didn't know what the Bible said about what to do when people are ill. So shame on me, because I, I, I remember thinking, what did it actually say? I, I didn't know. And you know what? Most of you did not know. And most of the 2,000 people listening at home don't know. It says, when I was sick, you took care of me. But I took a poll of pastors on that one the other day. Of course they didn't know. We know all the others, but we didn't know about... When I was ill, you looked after me. You cared for me. And so, when people are ill, we have to look after them. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say, when I was ill, you came and prayed for me, actually. Jesus didn't say, thank God, when I was ill, you burst round kicked the door down, came up to me and went, come out of him! <laughs> you cared for me. And as this course goes on, as we talk through these issues, I want you to know, actually, that there are people with amazing gifts from God to remove illness from people's bodies. And thank God for all of them. And I've seen a little of it myself. But it is just as biblical to go and cook an ill person a meal as it is to go round and see them set free of their illness. They are both things that are in the Bible. All right. So you might not be a man or woman of faith and power for the hour. When you lay hands on the sick, maybe they die the next day. Or you ring them up and say, I prayed for you, how are you? I'm iller. You might be in that category, but, but in fact, so maybe that's not something for you right now, but, if, but you can still cook food, and you can still go and, you can still go to Tesco for people who are ill. You can get the club card points if you do that. Amen. <laughs> the human heart is deceitful above all things. So, here's where I'm going. This is what the Bible says about illness. Four things we're going to talk about, and I'll do two this week, and maybe two next week. Four things. First of all, illness is not unusual. Secondly, illness can be a real test of character. Thirdly, God can use illness for good. And uh, finally, we need to respond correctly to illness in ourselves and in others. So So these are the things I want to talk about. Okay. Number one. Illness should not be thought of as something that is unusual. Now, like I said earlier, if you are from a, a, a mainline denominational church, it won't be. But let me tell you, sometimes in some charismatic churches, it seemed as something that's really unusual. What's wrong with you? you know? Oh, we don't have any ill here. <laughs> you know, we don't have any ill here. Especially now we've started taking these new tablets. None of us are sick here. There's a real, there could be a real burden of, uh, upon ill people in charismatic settings. And it's because there's this idea that somehow being ill is wrong or that we shouldn't have to be ill ever and, uh, and all, this, all this kind of thing. Now, in all that I'm saying today, I'm not taking away the, the doctrine or the practice of healing. How many of you were here last week and saw six people get healed immediately along the front? 
So it's not that we don't believe in healing. But in the shadow of seeing people get healed last week, this seems the best time of all to teach some of this stuff. So that we have the exact balance. And by the way, at the end of both of these sessions, I'm going to lay hands upon the sick and people are going to be healed today and next Sunday in this room. Even as we talk through these issues, we're going to reinforce and you'll see that God is a healer. But we must understand that there's nothing unusual about healing. Nice people were ill in the Bible. Nice people, not just the nasty people. Really nice people like you and me were ill in the Bible. And uh, let me just bring up a few of these uh, unbelieving, sinful people here. And I'm saying that in jest. Here we go. Paul was ill. In the, Paul was ill a lot in the Bible. There's a rumor that he had bad eyesight, uh, but that's not really substantiated. But he does say over in Galatians 4 and verse 13 that it was because he was ill that he was taken into the Galatian area. And uh, he he's, has no bones about saying that he was ill. Of course, today, if he was writing for a charismatic magazine, he might edit that bit out. Uh, for, for fear of getting letters. But, but he says, I was ill. And of course we know in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about having a, a thorn in his side from the devil. We don't know what that is. But whatever it was, God didn't take it away. And that's the point. People work out, try and work out what it is. But it's at, the point is that God didn't take it away. So Paul, the great healer of the sick. And if you get hold of my book, The Healing Ministry of St. Paul, available in all good bookshops, Ding! I, um, you're, there's a whole section in there about Paul ministering and the, the, on the very time when, do you remember when the people came and they wanted to worship him as a Greek god? Remember that? They thought he was Zeus and uh, whoever else the other Greek god is. They were worshipping them uh, as Jupiter, I think the King James says. And, uh, and then later in Lystra, Paul speaks to a, 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 a beggar in the street and who's lame and he jumps up and he's healed. And what I do in my book is I show that Paul was ill at that exact time as he was working those miracles. I want to say that again. Paul was ill at the exact time, or we say exact time, at that particular season that he was working those miracles. And so Paul had a wonderful healing ministry. He Sometimes he would throw snakes away that bit him. You know, he was pretty, pretty good, wasn't he? But it didn't mean that he never got ill. Uh, Timothy, a, a student, a disciple of Paul. Paul actually writes to him, and we'll touch on this next week. He writes to him in 1 Timothy 5 and 23, and he says this to him, keep taking your medicine, boy. <laughs> That's what he says. Stop just having uh, water, but have some wine, because of your many illnesses. In our language, Paul emails him and says, Timothy, I've heard that you've stopped taking your tablets. You must take them. So Timothy was ill. Trophimus is an interesting one. He was left in Miletus and in uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 20. Uh, Paul says that he prayed with um, this, this associate of his, but he had to leave him ill. So Paul was with him. Uh, we imagine that he tried to bless him and pray for him because that's the kind of guy Paul was. But he had no success. And he left him ill in Miletus. Epaphroditus, 
pastor uh, of one of the pastoral epistles. He nearly died. He was so ill, but God uh, had mercy on him. Elisha, you ready for this? Elisha, the man who did twice as many miracles as Elijah, uh, really the closest we've got to Jesus in the Old Testament is Elisha. In terms of power, miracles, signs and wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing through him. And Elisha, we see in 2 Kings 13, is in bed with an illness and he dies from it. He dies from it. The great healing uh, uh, ministry died from an illness. So it's not unusual. This may not be splendid news, but, but, but let's, just, let's have a biblical Christianity. These people were, were ill. Daniel got ill by encountering the Lord. Work that one out. Answers on a postcard. Uh, but Daniel encountered an angel and the presence of God, and as a result of encountering God, uh, was quite ill from the experience. Uh, we may have some modern day experiences of that. And uh, Hezekiah was certainly very ill. The Lord had mercy on him and gave him a few more years to his life. So the point is this, that really nice people get ill. And the fact that you're ill does not mean that you've necessarily done anything wrong or that God is punishing you or doing something nasty to you. you know, nasty to you. Uh, let's look at this. Illness is not usually a failure of our faith. In John chapter 9, there's the man born blind and the disciples say, Lord, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? that he's born blind. And Jesus has to say, well, neither. It's very hard for someone, by the way, to... I don't know if you've ever seen the joke of you in that verse. Did he sin or his parents that he was born blind? Well, it's tricky to sin uh, in the womb. Uh, but, uh, But Jesus says, no, neither. And of course, as we get to the great Christian book on suffering, which is the epistle of Peter, he says in... Chapter 4, verse 12, he says, don't think it a surprise that we go through trials as though something strange was happening to us. So that's the first thing. We need to get rid of any concept that um, just because people are ill that something is somehow wrong or they're not not kept their nose clean. You know, they may not have kept their kitchen clean. Right? They may not have kept their cutlery clean, but they might have kept their nose clean. Do you know why we get ill? We get ill because in this world there are bugs and diseases. We get ill because uh, there are all manner of problems. We get ill because we stand on the tube with someone and they cough in our face. That, this is often why we get ill. If someone is knocked down by a car and they're in hospital for a few weeks with a, you know, a bad leg, the reason that happened is because they didn't look where they were going or the guy driving the car didn't look where he was going. We don't have to see some cosmic plan at work. Sometimes God is taking the opportunity to do something, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. So illness is not unusual. Number two, illness can be a real test of character. Absolutely. Let's turn to Job chapter 2. 
Job's story. Chapter 2, Job is sort of in the middle of the Old Testament there, next to the Psalms. To the left of them, or to the west side of the Psalms. Illness can be a real test of character. And let me say, right at the off, it's a test that we must pass. Job chapter 2, we read something very, very interesting. In Job chapter 1, Satan, in this rather unusual and unique story, has got permission from God to cause untold chaos in Job's life. He loses his his home, he loses his children, and uh, has a rougher day than many of us will ever have in the whole of our lives. His donkeys and oxen are destroyed, fire falls from heaven, and then the Chaldean raiding parties come in, and they steal things, the servants are killed, and then Finally, Job doesn't do anything until he hears that his sons and daughters have been killed in a sort of a freak tornado. But it says at the end of chapter 1, in all this, verse 22 of Job 1, in all this Job did not sin by charging God with any wrongdoing. So Satan comes again in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he dis- the, the devil decides to, to push the boundaries a bit more. Now we're in verse 4. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. What did the devil say? He said this. I have tried. What was, he, what was the devil trying to do? He was trying to make Job become an unrighteous person. He was trying to take Job's purity, morality, his righteousness, and he was trying to steal it from him. And that's exactly what he's trying to do with you. That's what he's trying to do with you. He's trying to steal your faith. We read that in the New Testament. And he's trying to steal your righteousness. Anyway, in this story, the devil says, God, you don't understand how this temptation really works. God, if I can get inside his body, and by that I mean, if I can get an illness in him, never mind what's going on outside of him, never mind whether he's lost his money, never mind whether he's lost his family, Job will fall, says the devil, if I can just make him ill. All these other problems have been external. Let me get inside him. Let me put a terrible illness inside his body. And the devil says, God, if I put an illness in his body then his righteousness will decrease. 
And do you know, it's exactly the same for us today. Now, again, very quickly, let me say, well, I'm not, I'm not talking about how the devil is making people ill. I'm talking about the principle that for as long as there's health in your body, you can behave very righteously, but when ill health comes, it is an enormous challenge for you to stay holy. But that doesn't mean it's not possible to do. But I'm just making you aware of the dynamics of this. The devil said, if I, if I can make him ill, then I'm, then I'm going to make him unholy. Do you want to know what Job had? Here we go. Job had painful, festering body sores. He had nightmares and he desired to, to die. He had a fever with peeling scabs. Listen, you go up and down Britain today, go in all the churches. I don't suppose any other preacher is using the phrase peeling scabs. Bad breath, thinness, no teeth. You know the phrase, I survived with the skin of my teeth that comes from Job. What it means is, what Job is saying is, I have survived just with the skin of my teeth. My teeth fell out. That's what that phrase really means. If you survive by the skin of your teeth, it means that your teeth did not survive. Only the skin of your teeth. So his teeth fell out. And he had unrelenting pain. And you see all these verses here on the screen. That's what Job had. Now I understand you've got a bad foot. I understand. But this is what Job had. And I don't know about you, but I'd never had anything quite like this. Bad breath, maybe. Thinness, I'm not so sure about that. No teeth, that's probably coming. <laughs> Later rather than sooner, Lord. But the devil knew this. If he could just make him ill, he could, he could make him a pain to be with. Now I want to ask you this. When you become ill, does your standard of righteousness go down? If it does... You are failing the test. And you must pass the test. You know, when you have your body full of arthritis, or you permanently have a spinal injury, or you have constant migraines, it's very likely that you are not going to be the life and soul of the party. So there's two issues here to address. One is that actually we all need to be a little more tolerant, understanding of people's sufferings. The reason why someone may not be jumping around and be the center of attention, funny, witty, generous, or even talkative could be because they're in terrible pain. And if it wasn't for ibuprofen, they wouldn't even be at that function. You know. A lot of people, when they get older, 
They start to get more pain. They come, they feel heavier. Things are more difficult. And uh, younger people need to honor older people. And younger people need to also understand that some older people are actually having health struggles that younger people are not having. All right? Now, let me turn the coin over. If you are having health struggles, old or young, that doesn't give you divine permission to be grumpy, bad-tempered, and a nightmare to be with. Amen? So it's all about finding the balance. We who are healthy need to look at people who are unhealthy with some sympathy and some tolerance and give them a bit of room. But people who are ill need to do what Job did, which is to say, even though I'm suffering, I am still going to be righteous before my God. The fruit of the Spirit of God. Is long-suffering. Long-suffering. What does long-suffering mean? It means the ability to suffer for a long time. The fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. So God is there for the sufferers. And he is there to heal. But he is also there to sustain people going through difficulties. To give them the supernatural ability to suffer for a long time. Now that doesn't mean that that's always his will. But it does mean that that provision is there. I want you to turn to James chapter 5 please. Let me show you something else. People who are ill need us to pray for them. And I want you to see something. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you've never seen it before. Uh, James 5 and verse 13. It says this. Are you all there? It says, is any one of you in trouble? He should what? He should pray. Say it with me. He should what? If you're in trouble, you should pray. Who should pray? The person in trouble should pray. If you're in trouble, pray. If you're in big trouble, hand yourself in. Unless there's a reward, in which case we'll come to some arrangement. <laughs> if you're in big, if a blue flashing light appears behind you, you should pray that you have the wisdom to stop and give yourself in, not speed up. I command this traffic light to change to green in the name of the Lord. Nah. If anyone is in trouble, he or she should pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. 
Here's something interesting. Verse 14. Is any one of you sick? What should he do? He should call on the elders of the church to pray. The inference is, not that a person who is ill should not pray for themselves. But the inference is that the person who is so sick, they can't really pray for themselves. Not effectively, like these big guns from the church can do. See, So here, uh, obviously this is a reference to elders coming and praying in someone's home. And they pray over him. If you look at it really carefully, the guy is lying down. He hasn't come to the front at the end of a meeting. He can't get to church, this guy. They pray over him because he's lying on a bed. See, There's all these details. They're all there. When the Bible says pray over him, it doesn't mean that there was a platform in this church. It was really high. And the man was down there. And they're praying for him. They prayed over him because he was lying on, lying, lying on a bed. And they anoint him with oil, which is another interesting thing I might touch on if I dare next week. But that's another matter. When you are ill, lots of the Christian disciplines are much more difficult. For example, if you become depressed, it's actually really hard. It's not impossible, but it's much harder for you to have a disciplined life with God. It's hard for you to read the Bible if you're depressed. It's hard, to re- it's hard to do all the, all the disciplines. And if you are ill, actually you should pray for yourself. But you also need people to pray for you. If you're in trouble, pray for yourself. If you're sick, you need some help. So the point I'm making is, you see how the character is being tested The most important thing in my life is my character. That's the most important thing I've got. Because I can lose money tomorrow. I can lose my job tomorrow. Let's hope not, uh, but I could. I could lose family members tomorrow in a car crash. Let's hope I don't. But all sorts of things I can lose. And I've got no power over it. But my character, I have to give that away. The most important thing for you is your character. When I look back over a year, what I look back upon is, am I nearer to the character of Christ now than I was a year ago? Not about what's on my website, about how many deaf ears opened and where I travelled. Because that's just all garbage to God. It's not how many prophesying I did or how many sermons I preached. Or It's really all about where's my character at? That's the most important thing I've got. And illness will test my character. And so we've got to be up for that test. And when you're ill, you need to draw upon the, ha- the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just to cure you, but to keep you righteous. Do you understand what I'm saying today? So I'm asking those of us who are healthy to care for those who are ill because they're finding life hard. But I'm talking to those who are ill to say, there's never a permission from God 
to be bad-tempered, you know, angry, grumpy, nightmare, nightmare to be with. If you're having a baby, maybe. But in the world of sickness, we have to stay right. We have to stay right. This wonderful proverb is here. Proverbs 18 and verse 4. I I think it's really worth you seeing it in your Bible as to a biblical approach to illness. Proverbs 18 and verse 14 says, A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. There is a power, you see, that can keep you in that ill place. There is a power that can keep you there. The Holy Spirit himself bringing long-suffering into your life. That's the end of this first part. And if you're listening to the podcast, then uh, God bless you. And you might want to have a look around iTunes and find part two.